Come on. Hello, dear listener. Before we get into today's show, quick ask. If you find value in today's show or you've gotten value out of a previous show, please leave us a quick five-star review. Be super grateful. Thanks a lot. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach to Personal Finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, a strong and powerful Tim McNeely. Tim, are you ready to do this? I am excited to be here. Excellent. Let's let's do this. Tim is the CEO of the Lifestone Companies. He's helping people implement the lessons from the super rich. He's a speaker, a podcast host. Again, I'm excited to have you on. Tim, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Oh, it's such a great question, and, and I love talking about inspiration because anyone who does anything great, you got to have some inspiration. And, and I started my life off as a very ordinary financial advisor, thought it was my job to manage investments well, and then met and fell in love with my wife who happens to be a, a dentist. And, uh, you know, there was just a little problem, though. As we were dating, my wife had another boyfriend, and that boyfriend was called her dental practice. And it didn't matter where we were or what was going on. This boyfriend was always invading our lives. It was, <laughs> I got to hold back my paycheck so I can make payroll. Or that grumpy patient, I just know I'm going to peer review. Or I've got to grow the practice. And I, I, don't, I don't know what I need to do to do that. And it turned out it didn't matter how well I could manage her little meager investments. It wasn't going to make a difference for her and really move the needle. And so I, I found myself in a job I hated. And I couldn't take care of the person I loved the most. I knew something needed to change. And so I thought, you know, who better to study than the, the super rich, right? People at the, at the very top, the, you know, the, the 1% of the 1%, what are they doing? And how do they organize their financial lives? Not, not that I want to get to that level, but I want to learn for the best of the best. And, and my wife and I started implementing some of those lessons when we got back to being on top of the world. And, but just like today, life can throw you a curveball and, uh, Right now, it's coronavirus. For her, it was for her hands. And imagine you being a dentist. You know your hands are everything. And she couldn't even hold the forceps no. to do extractions anymore. Now we weren't just worried about payrolls. How are we going to pay our mortgage? How are we going to pay our personal bills? What's going to happen if Dana can't practice dentistry anymore? And uh, we implemented another lesson from the, the super rich. We started really questioning the underlying assumptions of all our planning to make sure things were put together well and we're going to deliver as advertised. Like our former president, Ronald Reagan, used to say, trust but verify. And when we did that, we actually found some errors in the plan. We found an error in her disability policy. We corrected that. And we breathed a massive sigh of relief. And, and really my only, you know, my big lesson going through that process is I wish I would have done that stress testing sooner because it would have been so much better for us to catch that, not in the midst of the crisis, but before the crisis happened. But but that's really what got me started was saying the big impact I could have on entrepreneurs, on dentalpreneurs, when, you know, things go sideways, helping them get back on track, but more importantly, being prepared to take advantage of all the opportunities that are out there. Yeah, well... I certainly appreciate everything you just said. It's, um, I mean, for 99% of the time, we're sort of just going through the motions and accepting that the way that we do things is because that it's the right way to do things. But when you do it, when you are able to take that step back and say, you know what, why are we doing this? Why, why? And really start to challenge those assumptions. That's when you can maybe figure out, okay, a lot of this is good, but there's opportunities where I think that we should really be making some changes. So as as you've gone through this process, are are there certain 
I think that there's probably a lot. Tell me about some of those assumptions that that, that you questioned and and, and 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 that you're helping people change. Yeah. So the, the big ones I get all the time and, and you're so right, George, right? You know, people, you know, think, oh, you know what? I, I did my estate planning and I did my retirement planning and then I, I did this planning and I did that planning. But the, the problem is so many people do this planning incrementally and they do it piecemeal, right? They, they work with one advisor for this, one advisor for that. And they've never really looked at how things fit holistically together. And I see that all the time. And, you know, a lot of the assumptions we come back and we start looking at, you know, really concern liquidity events. So I work with a lot of dentalpreneurs. These are people who own, you know, four, five, six dental practices or more. And they're really concerned about the tax implications when they start getting ready to sell. And the worst call I get is someone who calls me and says, Tim, I just signed a deal. I'm selling my company next week. What can you do for me? At that point, the answer is usually nothing. You just got to deal with it. But for those who are wise enough to start little you know, planning early, there's a lot of things that can be done. But you got to really dive in and figure out, you know, what's important to you? What do you want to achieve? Because we can usually get it done. But there's going to be you know, pros and cons to any approach. And it really is about building custom bespoke solutions around you and your goals. Yeah, that is a. Uh... I imagine that's such a common thing um, for everybody, but particularly entrepreneurs who are so busy just trying to keep everything moving and doing a great job with that and doing planning. And, you know, that, that that's an awesome first step. But then that next step, that next level is having somebody who knows all the different parts and can help you actually bring everything together. Do people resist that? It, 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 you know, I think. Again, it's it's a paradigm shift, but just having one person that they know that they can trust, it seems like it makes sense. Well, but it's not just about one person because because so often, right, they say, oh, you know, you need one trusted advisor. Well, I would argue, you know, the more complex your life becomes and the more wealth you have, you really need a trusted team of advisors. And that's what we see in what's known as the family office space. And so high net worth individuals, people who sell their company, usually net worth half a billion dollars or more. And, and this is something that's actually everyone can do. You, you don't need a net worth of, of half a billion dollars or a million dollars. You can do this if you got one dollar, right? But you need a trusted team of professionals. And so the, the super rich will go out, they'll pluck a CPA out of a you know top five accounting firm from the corner office, and then they'll hire the best real estate agents, concierge medical professionals, insurance specialists, right? Whoever they may need to manage their wealth, they're going to hire them. They're going to put them down in a piece of real estate they own. And the job of this team is to manage the family's wealth. And the reason families establish these family offices is they want control. And like you just talked about, they want just not one person they can trust. They want a team of individuals because no one can be an expert in all things. It's just it's absolutely impossible to to be a, a specialist in tax strategy and then, you know, business succession planning and investment management. And, and there is no one person who can do all of these things, but you need that trusted team who can do it. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So what what is a starting point? Is it is it making sure that that I know where I'm trying to go? And then I fill in the gaps with with. Yeah, no, great, great question. And that's really where a lot of this starts is, you know, when I start talking to people, they'll ask, you know, exactly like you did, George, you know, how, how do I get started? What do I do? And it really is, you know, well, how deep down the rabbit hole do you want to go? Do you have one specific thing that's kind of keeping you up at night? And, and do we want to work on that? Or do you really want to look at broad, you know, planning and how everything fits together? And I'll tell you, most people. 
they start with one specific concern. And, and usually, like I said, nine times out of 10, it's some kind of tax related manner. And it's usually around selling a business. And that's where they say, I want to sell my business and I don't want to pay any taxes. I go, great. We can make that do that. Put your put your business in a trust, sell it. It goes to charity. You're not going to pay any taxes. Boom. Done. Right. Done. So, so we can usually do whatever someone wants. But like I said, there's some trade-offs in that. And so really the starting point is clarity of what you want, right? What's important to you? Do you have charitable intent? Do you not have charitable intent? Do you have kids you want to take care of? Is legacy important? Do you want to keep working, right? What, what's keeping you up at night? And let's start working on that because if we can dive into those pressing issues and solve them, that's what we want to do. We want to figure out whatever those pain points are and solve them instead of what a lot of advisors do is they go in with some kind of an agenda of what they want to do. My only goal is to help you win and help you achieve what you want. Yeah. If, if, if I'm a hammer, then I'm just in search of nails, right? <laughs> Bingo. That's it. So, okay. Fair. Uh, I think that that's definitely fair enough. And how often when you tell people, oh, yeah, we, we, we can pull off not paying taxes, just throw it in the trust and then give it all to charity. I imagine that that's not the most, not, that's not the most popular option. It, it absolutely <laughs> is not. But, it, but, but it opens their eyes all of a sudden to, oh, wait, you know what? I better get clear because maybe, you know, not paying 20% taxes, maybe I actually have something more important than that. And so it starts that conversation of what do you really actually want? Why do you not want to pay taxes? What is it that you're trying to achieve here? Because if we can get clear on that, then we can absolutely make it happen. Yeah. Well, I, I imagine I'll just sort of role play with you that the answers to those questions are, well, I, I, I'm looking for financial security. I, I want to potentially not have to stay in this field anymore. I'd like to maybe start my own business. I want to be able to... to Make sure that my kids have their college paid for, and maybe have 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 a little bit of money left over. So these are that's maybe some of my priorities. Is that a common answer? Yeah, I'll tell you. We've actually done the research on this, believe it or not, and and we've asked you know very significantly and wealthy business owners, do you want to continue to grow your wealth? And across the board, they say yes. Then we dive in a little, and we say, well, it's because is it greedy, right? What do you want? You just want more? Well, three concerns come out. Number one. They want to take care of the people they love. Number two, they want to support the causes they care about. Number three, they want to keep having that impact in the world. And so really, you know, wealth is a means for taking care of the people you love, supporting those causes you care about and making a difference in the world. And, and that's, you know, usually the fundamental concerns of everyone out there is how do we do that and how do we do that even better? So, I mean, I, I appreciate that that all planning is going to be relative to the people that you're talking with. But are there specific strategies that a lot of people can employ or, or should maybe be thinking about once they do have their objectives clear? Yeah, he, he, absolutely. And so, you know, some of the, the strategies that we look at is, you know, imagine if you had an investment portfolio and you never had to pay taxes on that money again. What do you think would happen to the size of that portfolio over time? It would get a lot bigger. Yeah. So that's one strategy that can make sense for someone. Or maybe there's a insurance planning need and an estate planning need, but you don't want to interrupt the cash flow from your business and your personal lifestyle to have to fund that insurance. Well, maybe we let the bank pay for your insurance policies. Those are types of things we look at. Or maybe you own several businesses and you're tired of paying premiums to your insurance carriers. Maybe you want to set up your own insurance company so you can self-insure. 
those are strategies that we can look at. And those are just a, a couple of the, the tools that, you know, a lot of advisors know about, but they don't implement for their clients. And so that's what we spend a lot of time doing is really bringing these strategies down from the super rich that they use day in and day out and making them available to everyone. So is there, is the, is the barrier of entry simply knowledge or, or is there some other reason that, that, is, is are there other barriers of for, for for regular people doing these things? Yeah, I, I would tell you probably the biggest barrier of entry because they really, you know, a lot of the regulatory changes, a lot of the technology changes have been able to to bring these strategies way down the scale. So you don't need to be worth a hundred million dollars to do these things. And and most of the time, and once again, this goes back to the the data that we see is there's a big disconnect between advisors people are using. And the strategies that the advisors actually do. So, so let's take retirement planning as, as one example. Many clients, they're interested in getting a really big deduction, having most of that money come back to them. So then we start asking, you know, business owners, well, do you have a, a retirement plan in place? Most of them say yes. And, and then we say, well, do you have the next level up, right? Do you have the big daddy, which is called a, a defined benefit plan? You can put massive amounts of money away. Most of it can come back to you if it's designed correctly. And, and, and they say, no, we don't have one. Then we dive in and we ask advisors, right? Financial advisors, people whose job it is to know about these things. And we go, do you know about these? vast majority put their hands up and say, oh, of course we know about defined benefit plans. Then the follow-up question is, well, have you ever done one single defined benefit plan for one single client, right? That's a pretty low bar. One plan, one client. That number drops dramatically. And so, so the implementation by professionals is really, really low across the board. And so I would tell you, it's just people, you know, not working with advisors who are really comfortable with some of these advanced planning strategies that are out there. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. That's interesting. Um, I wonder what the percentage of financial advisors is that's actually worked with a defined benefit plan. Probably is really, really it's like, small. It's like seven or six percent, and and I've got the numbers. You can grab it. It's in becoming seriously wealthy: how to harness the strategies of the ultra wealthy and super rich business owners. But yeah, it's like six or seven percent. Nice. All right, so. What is just in, in what, what sort of popped into my head? I'm just I'm curious as to what the time horizon on specifically a, a defined benefit plan is. Like I need to start thinking about it and, and I can implement it. What, what what does it take to really put something like that in place? Well, it starts with running the numbers because sometimes you run them and they don't make sense. Hmm. And so it starts with that conversation of is tax mitigation a really important thing that you want to pursue? If so, let's run the numbers and see if they make sense for you. So that's really, you know, what a lot of it is, is, is it's scenario planning. You just recorded a video of this, you know, on the other day. It's looking at best case, worst case, what could happen, and, and then does this make sense for you? Because, you know, oftentimes we find it's not one particular strategy either. It's a combination of strategies to help get you to your goal. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 and that certainly does make sense that uh... – that while a defined benefit plan or XYZ thingy might sound great and look great on paper and you might think it's perfect for you, but it really is running down the different scenarios and figuring out, yeah, this thing might be great, but it's probably not going to accomplish what you want to accomplish. So here's a different strategy. So it all comes back to what is it that you're really trying to accomplish? What is going to, to get you or, you know, or make you feel like you're accomplishing everything that, that you want and then matching you up to the correct thing? 
Yep. And once again, kind of coming back to, to family offices again, right? Why do the super rich build teams where they have complete control over everyone in that team? The reason is they want to work with professionals who get them, who understand them, who know them. And we really, as we study these family offices, I've helped underwrite a lot of research on the, the super rich. We kind of call that the human element, right? That's the biggest difference in elite wealth planning is, is planners who are focused on you instead of technical wizardry or technical expertise. They certainly have that, but they're more important about you, your goals. What do you want to do? And then they're making sure all the technical wizardry is used to help you achieve what you want. And that's why the super rich use family offices. Yeah, that makes sense. I like it. Well, Tim, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? I, I would tell you that the biggest thing that you can do is get started on this process right away. You know, many of you listening to this, you may own a home, and something fu funny happens with people who own homes. You may have that front door that doesn't work and, you know, needs a little work or the, that leaky roof that you're going to get to someday. And you put these things off and you put them off and you put them off until you're ready to sell the house. Then you spend a whole bunch of money fixing up the house and you're going to move out and never get to enjoy all the upgrades that you did. It's crazy. So why not start fixing these things right away so that you can enjoy them, so that you can catch those errors in your financial plan, so that you can make sure you're taking advantage of all the opportunities out there right away, right? Get started. Like I mentioned, with, with my wife and I, I, I wish that I would have known about that stress testing earlier in my career. Because that's the first thing we would have done is sat down, questioned all of the underlying assumptions. Then when a crisis hit, we would have been more prepared to go through it. So, so that's my encouragement to you is get started on this right away. Go back to your existing team and just say, hey, I, I really want to start testing some scenarios. I'm worried about and whatever you're worried about, tell them, let them know, start building a plan around that. Well, I think that that is great stuff. That definitely gets Come on. Come on. Tim, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? How can people engage with you? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me at timmcneely.com, T-I-M-M-C-N-E-E-L-Y.com, or on Facebook at Dentalpreneur Advisors. we got a great Facebook group where we talk about these planning strategies all the time and how you can implement them in your life to make a real big difference so you can build that amazing life of significance, take care of the people you love, support causes you care about, really make that difference in the world. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Tim your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to timmcneely.com. It's T-I-M-M-C-N-E-E-L-Y.com. Check out all the great resources Tim has on the site. Thanks again, Tim. Absolutely. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Spending too much time on social is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right.